You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Uh, we have been studying the book of Acts, the great book of Acts, over the past, well, we started in January, and we've made it all the way to chapter 16. And today we're going to tackle uh, the first, or the, the, really starts the tackling of the second missionary journey for the Apostle Paul. And I just want to encourage you. Um, I don't know how many of you uh, are doing our SOAP reading. It's our Bible reading program for the church. If you have not done that, uh, there are, um, I don't have one with me, but uh, it's in my journal. But uh, there are little um, bookmarks that you can grab off the back tables. And if you take those, you can get right up to speed with us with what we're doing as a church. But uh, if you're like done with your SOAP reading and you're like, man, I could, I could use a little extra dose. I, you could know that you could pre-read where we're headed in the book of Acts. It doesn't take a rocket science to know where we're headed. And uh, we, last week we were in chapter 15. This week we're in 16, right? And so to pre-read, but, uh, and I encourage you to do that. But the reason I'm saying that, if you pre-read this week, um, you know that in the next 30 to 40 minutes, uh, in this message, there is no way we can accomplish everything that is in chapter 16. And sometimes we break it down a little further, um, but there were so many different ways that we could have looked at chapter 16 this week. And when that happens, as a pastor, it's my job to kind of uh, bring the word and uh, to be discerning what God has for us. And, uh, and whoever's in the pulpit, that's their responsibility. Um, it's important to discern what God wants us to hear. How many believe that, right? I mean, that's why we're here, to hear from the Lord. And so I spent a little extra time in the presence of God saying, God, what do you have for us this week as I was reading through Acts chapter 16 and studying and, and digging in deep? And I really, what the Lord did, he took me back to the theme that we are in. We're in the third section of, of the book of Acts out of four. And the theme is living on purpose, that that's what we're called to do, right? And that's exactly what Paul and the other apostles were doing. They were living with purpose and they were intentionally reaching the world. And that, that's not only what the apostles were called to do, that's what we are called to do, amen? We are called to get out of our comfort zones, right? And to do what God says. The attitude is that this is not my life, my life is yours, Lord, and he helps us to do that. And uh, the, the word that kind of captures that is total surrender. We want to be people that are totally surrendered to the Lord. And so with that idea of total surrender in Acts chapter 16, I realized as I was praying, and what kind of the, I believe that the Lord spoke to me, is that when we live on purpose, it is a life full of open and closed doors. Not literal doors, not like the doors, you know, that you're like, kids, close the door, the air conditioning's going out, right? Or the door that, you know, the brother and sister is pounding on the bathroom door, it's my turn to get in there, I gotta go to the bathroom, right? Or it's not even the door that the gentlemen should open for their ladies, right, to let them in the car, because that's the right thing to do. No, open and closed doors, what we're talking about today, is in regards to the will of God. Living on purpose is a life full of opened and closed doors. And the question we want to tackle this morning is, how do you discern the will of God? Open doors. When a job offer comes your way, is that an open door from the Lord? A new house comes on the market and it's irresistible and looks affordable. Is that God's will for you to move? A golden opportunity seems to fall into your lap. How do you know if it's really what God wants you to do? Just because an opportunity presents itself and it looks appealing, it does not mean that it's from God. How many know that that's true? And on the flip side, just because there's an open door and it looks like there might be some uncertainty, it doesn't mean that you should not walk through that door, right? 
It can be tricky. The key is to know if it's really an open door from the Lord, from God, and not to let fear get in the way. So that's on the open door side. Now on the closed door side, it's a little harder to talk about. Uh, We don't like to talk about closed doors as much. In fact, when the doors close, sometimes we ask questions like, God, are you withholding something from me? Are you withholding your blessings? Or if there's a closed door, is is it an indication of failure? Or has something gone wrong? Closed doors, sometimes we feel like we've been unfairly treated or misunderstood. Well, on both sides, open doors and closed doors, we're talking about opportunities. Opportunities within our work, within our relationships, within our decisions, big and small. Opportunities while we raise our kids. Opportunities within our marriages. Opportunities for those of you that are in school uh, or will be this fall. uh, Opportunities there. Opportunities in the way we spend our money. Well, that's what we're talking about. Open and closed doors. And the truth is, is that we serve a God who has the power to open and close doors in our lives. Turn with me. Hold your uh, place in Acts 16 if you're already there. But uh, in Revelation chapter 3. This is Jesus talking here, and he says, These are the words of him who are holy and true, who hold the key of David. It says, What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Verse 8 says, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. And the truth is, God, he is a God that does this. He, many times, God will grant opportunities that are otherwise unaffordable because there's an open door. God will open up doors where resources didn't seem to be possible, but all of a sudden, the experience, you're, uh, you're able to experience it. Sometimes there's not enough knowledge, and then all of a sudden there's an open door, and God does it supernaturally, and we can walk through and experience His goodness. God helps us to connect with people who play significant roles in our lives. We're bopping along, and all of a sudden there's someone that that emerges into our life, and all of a sudden they're such a blessing. If you're not married, I believe that God can help you meet your future spouse. And all the single people said, amen. Right? Or God can direct a person who can give you a new job, right? Or a neighbor who needs to know him. He, he puts you together and all of a sudden you're, you've got an opportunity to share your faith. We must, as God's people, be open, receptive, and responsive to open doors from God. But on the flip side, also it's true, God has the power to close doors. Close doors of opportunity, close relationships, close circumstances. And it can be a challenge spiritually, emotionally, and saying, what's going on? When the opportunity you thought was a go now is all dried up, is now unavailable? Do we ask questions like, God, where's your goodness here? Or do you ever ask, God, what in the world are you doing? The truth is, is that God closes doors because of his plan, his sovereignty. And today, as we study Acts chapter 16, I want us to read and I want us to look at this with the perspective of opened and closed doors. And so turn with, turn with me to Acts 16. We're going to walk through the story. And what I did in my Bible, and it's kind of hard to see, but I wrote in the, in the margins at different places, open door, closed door, open, close. And I would encourage you to maybe do that. But let's look at it, Acts chapter 16. It says, Paul came to Derby and then Lystra, where the disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and be the believer but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted him to, him, uh, to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they traveled from town to town. They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened and in, or in faith, and they grew in numbers. Let me pause there right for a second. 
we see an open door. I wrote in my Bible, open door. The open door was for Paul to work with Timothy, who became a great friend and uh, was mentored by the Apostle Paul. But also there's another door there, an open door, that I'm saying, man, circumcision. Didn't we just last week talk about circumcision? That circumcision was not uh, required in order to know the Lord and to have a relationship with Jesus. That was settled at the council in Jerusalem. Uh, for those of you that were here, you remember that? And you're saying, what, what's the deal here? Why would Paul circumcise Timothy? Well, it was not a matter of salvation or, or personal character in Timothy, but it was done to avoid potential problems or potential stumbling blocks as they went out to serve. They knew the audience that they were going to be serving, and the fact that Timothy had not been circumcised, and uh, if I was Timothy, I'm thinking, man, I, I better know that I'm called if, uh, if I'm undergoing circumcision as a grown man, right? And I'm just saying. But, so there, long story, put open door in your margin if you're marking it up. Let's continue. Paul and his, uh, and his companions, they traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Put in the margin, closed door. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by and went down to Troas, during the night, Paul had a vision of the man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. In your margin, you might put open door. So they have a closed door and not in, uh, to go to Asia, but now an open door in Macedonia. Let's continue. Verse 11, from Troas, uh, we put out to sea and sailed straight. Uh, and the next day we went to uh, Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. So now they're in Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. They had an open door to get there. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place to pray. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Again, another, another open door. There's a group of ladies there, and they had felt the open door to share what, what God had put on their heart. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer uh, in purple cloth. And it's kind of fun. If you Google uh, what was the big deal about purple, why was purple so valuable in Scripture time? They didn't have the ability to make the color purple. Um, if, if someone comes up to me after service, you can Google it after service. Uh, tell me how many snails to, it took to make one ounce of purple, and that will explain why there is so much, uh, why purple was so rare. But anyway, Lydia was a uh, she worked with that. You can uh, look it up on your own time. It says she was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of the household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So again, there's an open door for hospitality there. You see what I'm doing here? You tracking with me? Open door, closed door. Well, we're about to see another closed door here. It says once when we were going to the place of prayer, we met a, a met a we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners uh, by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, "These men are servants of the Lord of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to." Be saved. She kept this up for many days. Let me pause there for a second. Can you imagine if someone, well, I'm preaching or if someone's preaching here and they you know, stand up and say, that man is a man of God and he's preaching God's word. And it didn't just happen once, but every week. Would we get annoyed by that? Well, Paul did. It says, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left. I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. 
closed door there. When the owners realized that the hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful to, uh, for us uh, Romans to accept and to practice. Closed door. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrate ordered that they be stripped and they be beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the severely flogged, I mean, they, some commentators talk about being beat on their back. They would have exposed, been bloody, and uh, just it would have been bad. Some floggings would have been so bad that it would have exposed their inner organs. Bad deal. They're thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet into the stocks. And as you study that, they would do that after they've been beaten, they're bloody, and then they would put them, and their body would be aching, and they'd put their feet into stocks. And the idea was that when they'd get cramped, they couldn't get any relief. It was a bad, bad situation closed door but about midnight a potential open door here Saul and, pa- and Paul were, pre- were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening suddenly there was an earthquake and the foundation of the f- prison was shaken at w- all at once the prison doors flew open literally and everyone's chains came loose Open door? Is this where they're supposed to run? I'm thinking, yeah, go. The jailer woke up and saw the prison doors open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's the open door that God had. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the other believers in the house. At that that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. He cleaned them up. Then immediately, he and all of his household were baptized. You cannot read the New Testament, the book of Acts, and not know that water baptism is absolutely essential. It's the first thing you ought to do if you've accepted Christ. And we've got a baptism service in two weeks, July 22nd. Make it a priority. We want you to be there. It says, then they, when the daylight came, uh, or, or it says, the jailer brought, verse 34, the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. You can now leave. Go in peace. And I put in my Bible, open door with a question mark. I mean, is that what they were supposed to do? But Paul, nope. He said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. They threw us into prison, and now they want us to just get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come down themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and the sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. An interesting story. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would just ring loud and true, that this story would be a great catalyst to show us about uh, the will of God for our lives. Lord, speak to us in these next few moments, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When you read a story like that and you see them coming and going and all these things, you're saying, how in the world did Paul know what to do? How did Paul know where to go, where to share, what to share? And really, it's asking the question, how do you figure out the will of God? 
And you might assume, well, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he's the elite, right? Uh, these apostles, they're hearing right from God, and, and uh, you get this inside track. It might seem mystical or unattainable. But living on purpose, which we're all called to do, is a life of open and closed doors. And when it comes to the will of God, it's not that complicated. When people come to me, and they do often, uh, young people will come and uh, talk about you know, plans for a job or plans to go to school, or uh, sometimes uh, uh, you know, couples will come and say, hey, we're thinking about this job change, or we're thinking about moving here or there. How do you discern the will of God? I always come up with these three things. I don't know where I learned these, but they're the three things that come right off the top of my head. Uh, what does God's word say? Is it confirmed by those you love and trust? And is there a peace in your heart about the decision? If those three things are working in your favor, go for it. It's an open door. Well, I want to talk about those, explore those just for a moment, those three. And then the Lord gave me one more idea in regards to open doors. And let's dive in. The first is this, that the doors that God opened will never contradict his word. Remember I said, what does God's word say? Let me give you an example. The opportunity comes to make a lot of money, maybe a business opportunity or a side hustle, something like that. But if that side hustle causes you to, uh, to cheat in any way or to be shady or to, to be dishonest, how many know the God's word trumps that and that would not be God's will for your life? Or if that opportunity had an opportunity, but it kept you away from your family in an inordinate amount of time, where you got to know that God's word says it's your responsibility, if you've got a son or a daughter, to be raising up that child in, in the way he should go. And if your work or the side hustle keeps you away from it, it may not be God's open door. Not to mention, if it keeps you from church or fellowship or serving in the church, Hebrews 10.25 says, do not give up meeting together. And so you've got to discern that and say, okay, what's the upside? You know, I make a lot of money, but I'm not living up to God's word. That could be the case. Or an opportunity like this that's come to me many times. Uh, someone says, oh man, I'm in a new dating relationship. And what is my very first question to anyone is always, is he or she a believer, right? But they say, oh, but he's got a job. <laughs> Did I mention he's got a job and a car, right? And I would just say, look, the word of God, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says that we are not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. We do not endorse missionary dating. We just don't. And so if you came to me and said, hey, do you think it's God's will? I'm going to say, look, I don't believe it's God's will because it goes against God's word. God will not lead you toward an opportunity that contradicts what the word of God says clearly. Amen? Nor will he open doors that would require personal compromise or disobedience. So if there's compromise in the, in the mix, or you have to bend Scripture to make it say what you want it to say, it is not likely to be an open door from the Lord. Instead, we call those temptations, and you need to, rem you need to think of it like that. So the first is God's Word. The second, the doors God open will be accompanied by confirmation. And this is so critical. The people you love and trust, what do they say about the opportunity that's in front of you? People who uphold scripture, what do they say? People who have an authority in your life. You say, well, who's the authority in my life? How many of you have parents? Anyone? We all do, right? And, uh, and so if you're a, a young person in the room, uh, your parents are your authority. If you've got a decision that you're trying to make, you need to listen to, for that confirmation to come. They have wisdom that can speak into your life. And all the parents said, amen. And I would just say this. Tomorrow, shameless plug, do the second service to you, is my birthday, right? I'll be 42 years old tomorrow. I know. I know what some of you are thinking. 
man, I thought he was a lot older. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but anyway, um, I still, my wife was here for a service, we still look to our parents, and my, her parents are in the service, and my parents are in Florida, and we often will call them, and we, when there's a decision, a big decision especially, we look for those inputs. It is absolutely critical. And so parents, uh, don't underestimate your influence. If you're married, how many just married? Just uh, give me a show of hands, quick handshake or hand uh, wave, I mean. Uh, okay, all right, about half of us maybe in this service. Uh, you have a built-in authority figure in your house. What that means is that women, your authority comes from the husband, and husbands, your authority, you need to look to your wife. And the importance of finding confirmation with decisions cannot be underestimated. I admire, and I, I know there's some that are here, I won't embarrass them, but there are some couples in this church that model this so well, and it has been a great example to Jessica and to me. And I've watched that in big decisions, you never make a decision without the confirmation from your spouse. For some of you, it's a, it's a boss. For others, it might be the board at the church or elders. For me, uh, there are authority figures in my life. First service, Pastor Pale, uh, 56 years ordained. Uh, I mentioned him first service. I will turn to him when I've got questions in regards to an opportunity or about the will of God. Many, many times I'll call and say, hey, what do you think? I'm looking for confirmation. I believe that through prayer, through discernment, through seeking God's will, we should be able to tell if uh, there's an open door and if that open door is from the Lord. The opposite would be to live in isolation, uh, to make decisions all on your own, and that leads to destruction. And, uh, and so we, I'll just say that. So we got God's word, we got confirmation. There's a third thing. In regards to open doors, the doors that God opens, it results in peace. And I would say a supernatural peace. It's settled in your own heart. The peace of God, when you put your head on the pillow at night, uh, is there a peace or is there a turmoil in regards to the decision? If there's a hesitation at all, my encouragement, according to Scripture, we should wait. Take the opportunity to look at it from a different angle. I love what the, when you read through the book of Acts, it says over and over, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about here. It, it, when a decision, when an opportunity is made, that it seems good to the Holy Spirit and inside our hearts. Take a look at the opportunity from a different angle. God wants to direct us by His Spirit so we need to let him speak to our hearts in regards to that. So those are the three that I've always said. God's word, confirmation, and then a peace of God. And then move forward with confidence. But as I was praying and studying, there was another idea that kind of emerged that I thought, you know, sometimes we get to that third piece, peace, the third piece of peace, right? And we might be concerned in regards to a step or an opportunity because of fear, saying, okay, should I really step out? Or what if I make a mistake? And I want to deal with that fear factor here for a moment. The fourth thing is that the doors God open, they may require, they will require a dependency on Him. This is important. First of all, God is not going to give you an open door that will take Him or alienate us from Him or make us no longer believe in Him. So that's not even on the table. But when it comes to the fear factor, where, or the, the idea that, that I'm, I'm not sure, uh, I want to trust God, but can I really step out? Uh, and how do you make those decisions? you got to know that when you ask the Lord for insight, when there's an open door, uh, and it's God opening that door, it will often take a lot of faith to, to trust in Him. We talk about God going before us, behind us, and all around us, uh, putting a hedge of protection around us. Uh, and many times, those open doors from God, they allow our faith to be stretched and to be strengthened. 
He gets us out of our comfort zone. And so don't be afraid to take those steps, to go through those open doors. God's word, confirmation, a peace, and then add that faith peace. And you can look at it in Acts chapter 16. We see it with Timothy, open door. With Lydia, open door. With the prison guard and with others, open doors. And it's kind of fun to talk about God opening doors. But what about those closed doors? Why does God close doors? Well, there's a few things, a few reasons why. I want to hit those. There's four of them, and then we'll wrap it up. The first is that the timing is not right. A closed door does not necessarily mean that it's a locked door. It's just a matter of timing. God may be saying, slow down. He may be saying, not yet. Or he may be saying, in due time. I really feel like this is a word for the Lord from today, maybe for this service. I mentioned it first service as well that there may be a job opportunity with the right fit, the right pay, the right benefits, and then you didn't get it. And you're saying, God, why would you do that? What's the problem? And I, want to, I believe the word of the Lord is that it's just not the right timing. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, it was in Paul's heart to go to the providence of Asia in verse 6, it says that they were prohibited from preaching the gospel there. You say, doesn't God want those people to know about him, right? Paul had to have been disappointed and discouraged. But it just was not the right time. It wasn't the right time. In fact, it wasn't until Acts 18 and 19 that Paul made it to that providence and was able to share the good news. You've got to know this. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there is a time for everything uh, and a season for every activity under the heavens. And so we can rest in God's timing. When there's a closed door, it may be because of timing. The second reason for closed doors is many times it's for our own protection. Maybe a protection from a scam, from a thief, from a bad relationship, from a bad business deal. God has the ability to put a hedge of protection around us. In fact, that's the way that we pray. Um, in my family, we pray over our kids. God put a hedge of protection around our kids. Um, my mom, uh, every day before we went off to school, that was a prayer she prayed for me and for my sisters. And if we pray this way, we have to be okay with closed doors for our protection. Psalm 91, verses 10 and 11 says, No harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. It's like an umbrella of protection. I was thinking about it uh, several years back, back in 1998. Jessica and I, in the spring, uh, we were graduating. I was graduating from Evangel and uh, put our resumes out, and the very first church that we went to to interview, we thought, this is it. It was in Champaign, Illinois, and we thought, man, uh, we went, and they laid out a package for us, and it was going to provide for us, and we liked the pastor. We thought the church was cool. The sanctuary uh, was, like, brand new, and their vision was that that was going to become kids' space uh, in the next phase, and I'm thinking, man, I was going to be a kids' pastor. I thought, man, this is great, and uh, and I came back to school, contacted my mentor, and he said, and I had two other interviews lined up, and I said, I said, Lon, he's, that's the name of my friend, he said, I said, I don't think I need to take these other two interviews. I think this is where God wants us to go. And he said, Ben, just take the other two interviews. Take the time to go through the process, and if you are supposed to be in Champaign, God will reveal it to you. And it was great advice. And we went to the next one and the next one. And while we were at these other two churches, we saw some red flags or some red flags kind of became aware or we became aware of them from, from this first situation. And we said, okay, maybe we're not supposed to be there. We ended up in Dayton, Ohio. 
And it may have been okay for us to go there, but I believe that God was protecting, God closed that door of opportunity for us because within one year, that pastor left the church and it really caused a lot of issues within the church from what we heard. And I'm thinking, man, God protected us from having to transition one year out after school. God's closed door was for our protection. You tracking with me? It could be God's timing. It could be a protection. The third reason God may close the door is because you may be distracted. Ooh. When I'm talking about closed doors here, I'm saying that God, uh, God's way of getting us to focus on what we should. So he closes one door so we can see where we need to focus. Am I the only one uh, that gets fixated on stuff and things and maybe a sport or a hobby or a project? Does anyone uh, struggle with those t- things uh, ever? Um, the Bible calls those things idols, right? <laughs> and we can get caught up in some of these things or even a person, right? And we don't see how it's hurting our walk with the Lord. And what God does through closed doors, he gets our attention. And it's happened to me. When I was in fifth and sixth grade, they were my roughest years as far as serving the Lord. And I know some of you are thinking, what could you do in fifth or sixth grade that was so bad? Uh, That's when I sowed my wild oats, and I'm glad for it, right? Uh, It's better than in high school or in college, right? Or in adulthood. But uh, back then, uh, one of the big influencers in my life was my friend Keith. And we did everything together. And uh, he was not a great influence. Uh, I was not pulling him up to be a Christian. He was pulling me down uh, right to the pit of hell, I think. And, uh, it, and um, <laughs> we did a lot of things that were you know, just crazy. And, and uh, my parents, uh, they uh, were prayer warriors. And I'm convinced that they prayed Keith and his parents right out of the state of Michigan. No lie. They, his dad got a relocation uh, to South. Uh, it was either Florida or Georgia. I can't remember. And all of a sudden, my best friend was gone. It wasn't the day where we could talk all the time on the phone. Uh, we did send a couple letters back and forth. But Keith kind of faded out of my life. And I believe that as God, I'm thinking, man, that's a closed door. You know, my best friend, what's going on, God? But that closed door helped me to realize that I had been distracted, and my walk with the Lord was suffering because of it. It was that next summer, that summer, that I ended up going to Fahola Camp, and I rededicated my life to the Lord. And I remember, some of you know what I'm talking about, the red carpet at Fahola. I remember bawling my eyes out, telling the Lord that I would give my life for Him. And it was part of the services. They said, hey, if you, would, uh, if you would give your life for the Lord, we want you to stand and come forward. And I remember standing and coming forward and saying, yes, Jesus, I love you and I would give my life for you. And that may not have happened if God hadn't closed the door in that relationship. And so we got to be careful. Leviticus 26.1 says, Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourself. And do not place a carved stone in your, in your, uh, in your land to bow down before it. And so we got to be careful about our hobbies or the things in our life or the things that, you know, a project that we've got that can overtake us and keep us distracted from what's best in our lives. And so God will close doors to get our attention. But lastly, why does God close doors? It may just be time to move on. I love Jeremiah 29, 11 says, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper, give you hope and a future. And I love the story behind that of exile and coming back. But sometimes a closed door is exactly what we need to push us into greater things. Closed door opens up the possibility for something else. In regards to a job, I feel like uh, the Lord put it, gave me this, uh, this idea this morning. Uh, there might be a lost job, but the, a closed door where you've lost a job, but then all of a sudden there's an opportunity to start something new, a new business, 
or something like that. Or maybe you don't make the team and and another opportunity comes for work or for another extracurricular. And sometimes all we need is to take that step of faith. A step of faith is needed. And it's not God rejecting you. It's God redirecting you. Those closed doors. It's easy to get into a comfort zone, isn't it? And so sometimes God will close a door to get us to step out and to move forward. And the Lord, He does that graciously, but we got to listen and we got to commit our ways to Him, prayerfully discerning what the closed door may be representing. We can look back over the years and see God's hand directing. In the moment, it's not always that easy, but discerning God's will, it is as easy as we said to know his word, get the confirmation, look for peace, and take a step of faith. See, we're talking about living on purpose. Living on purpose, when we do that, it's a life of open and closed doors. And I'm going to ask Pastor Bobby to come, and I just want to ask you, as we kind of wrap this time up, what opportunities are you facing today where you need some insight from the Lord? Do you want God to speak into your life, to be directing you, to be in his perfect will, so to speak? Absolutely, I hope so. For some of you here, you're facing some open doors, and you're saying, is that open door really from the Lord? Should I walk through it? For others of you, you've experienced some closed doors, and maybe you're asking why, saying, man, why have you allowed this, God? In either way, whether it's open or closed doors, what should we do? What should the response be? It should be to pray and to seek the Lord and ask God to reveal his plan. We're going to do that here this morning or this afternoon. The first area in regards to our lives, I can speak to 100% of the time that this would be the will of God for you in regards to your walk with the Lord, in regards to salvation. When it comes to salvation, there is always an open door, and we want to present an open door for you this morning. If you are here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. The Bible's clear. It says we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. It also says that we can't get to heaven unless our sins are forgiven. And the only way our sins can be forgiven is through Jesus, God's Son, who died on the cross. He took our sins for Him. And if you're ready this morning, you're away from God, or you need to get your life right with God, or maybe you've never experienced salvation, we want to offer that to you. I'm going to ask that you close your eyes and bow your heads here this morning. I want this to be a personal moment just between you and the Lord at this moment. If you're here and that's you, second service, and God is kind of, your heart is pounding, you're saying, man, I need to get my life right with the Lord, or I need to accept Jesus as my Savior, I'm just going to encourage you to lift up your hand right where you are. It's an open door. Yep, right in the back. I see that hand all the way in the back. Who else this morning say, man, that's exactly where I am. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my righteous, from unrighteousness. Who else needs that kind of relationship? Anyone at all, just lift up your hand. Just going to wait for another second. See, that's me. For the sake of the one, could we just could I just lead you in a prayer here before we move on? And God wants us to activate, to be activated here in a second regarding his will. But in regards to the will of God for this young lady in the back, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. It's a miracle prayer. It's not the words of the prayer that save you, it's it's if you believe in your heart what you're about to say. And I'm going to encourage everybody to participate. 
in this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please come into my life and take away my sin. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong, but today I'm walking through the open door to receive your salvation. Take away my sin. Make my heart clean. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. And we rejoice with the angels in heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love it. I love it. Ah. I didn't even see who was. Praise the Lord. We'll talk. Awesome. Awesome. I want everyone to stand. As we close, I want to activate you. If you're here this morning and you have a specific need in your life for direction, it could be work-related, it could be in raising your kids-related, it could be in an area of finances, how to spend your finances, or any other decision. If there is a specific need for direction, I want you just to lift up your hand right where you are, saying, yep, I need to hear from the Lord in regards to that. Just keep your hand up where you are, all right? Now I'm going to ask you to do something. If you just raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to trust me and step out of your seat into the aisle, and I want you to come forward. We're going to spend a few moments praying and asking the Lord. Just come there right now. Yep, thank you. Yeah, just make, a, make your way and say, and we're going to ask the Lord for direction specifically for your life. Yeah, awesome. Just make room. Yep. Just come on in nice and close. If you have a specific need for direction, you're praying God for God to show you the next step, um, I want you to come forward right now, right here, if there's something specific that comes to mind. Now I want to talk to the rest of the folks in the back here for a moment. If you're here in the back and you're saying, my desire is to be in the perfect will of God, uh, to walk in His ways, just show me your hands quick. Yep, absolutely. I hope so. Absolutely. Well, the perfect will of God for you right now is to come and to put your hand on someone that's up here, to love on them, to pray with them here just for the next moment. So I'm going to ask that you just come and find us, find someone. And uh, some of you are thinking, well, someone else will go. No, that's you. I'm going to call you out if you don't move. Uh, we want every single person that's here to find a person and to put your arm around them. So if you're here and saying, I want the will of God, and I'll stand with the person that's here, just come on down, put your hand with them. Let's make sure that no one's alone. You might have to put your hand on a couple people. That's okay. All right. And let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. Come on, pray over these situations. God, we just ask right now for you to speak in this time. Lord, we're desiring your perfect will. We want to be in your will. God, we're, de we're desiring for you to show us the next step, where to go, where to turn. God, I'm asking that you would speak to us, God. Speak, Lord, right here, right now, Lord. God, I pray that your hand would be with us. Lord, that you would just pour out your power, pour out your spirit on couples and on individuals. Lord, on these uh, several of these Teen Challenge ladies, God, I pray that as they're seeking what's the next step, the next turn, Lord, speak clearly, Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be guiding and guiding. Lord, that you would help us to live on purpose. And Lord, to recognize open doors and closed doors. Help us to discern your will, God. Lord, show us show us in Jesus name I want to just lead you in a quick prayer if you're here praying for direction would you say this say dear Lord show me your way make it clear give me faith and confidence to take the next step and to do what you have called me to do in Jesus name and now that we've asked, I want to do something together that the staff and the board and I have been doing, that once you ask for the Lord to reveal something, 
Sometimes we'll pray and say, and say, God, show us your way, and then we're up and off. What I want us to do is to be quiet in his spirit. and actually goes back to the word of the Lord the, from this morning, uh, to, to be still and to know, to listen. We did this first service as well. If we ask the Lord, how many know he'll answer us, right? And I believe in a moment like this that God can put a nugget of truth the next direction, or maybe he's brought someone to pray over you that's going to speak into that situation. But let's just pause here for a moment and just ask the Lord for the interpretation or the next step. God, show us right now. Reveal us your plan. God, just make it clear. Show us a picture, God. Give us a faith to walk in your way. God, Lord, that you're directing, God. Lord, I pray for confirmation with those that we love and trust. We know it's according to your will. Once we do, Lord, we, we are asking that there would be a peace. Even if it takes great faith to take the next step, Lord, you're going to give us that faith to walk in your ways. Just listen to it, Lord. What is he saying in this moment? Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to each of us, God. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is here, God. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, now I pray that we would be full of confidence, not in our own abilities, but Lord, that we're confident in who you've called us to be and where you've called us to go what you've called us to do. And Lord, in a, in a myriad of different areas, in work, in, in home, in, in relationships, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to not only hear the word of the Lord, but then to do the word of the, that you called us to do, to live on purpose. I pray that your hand would be upon us. Lord, that you would give us confidence, that we would be people of God with our heads held high. And Lord, that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. God is good. God, I want to encourage you to just turn, maybe greet someone. And if you've got a word for the Lord for somebody that God's revealed to you, make sure you take advantage of that. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.